The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Batches. I don't have to show you any stinking batches. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, folks, welcome to Hour 2 of the Chris Salcedo Show. Coming up, our interview with Eric Bowling from Fox News. He's got a new book out. I can hardly wait to um, introduce you to it. I think this is going to be worth a read. It's called The Swamp. And he actually did some, some investigating into this book. Jack Abramoff. He actually interviewed Jack Abramoff for some insight into this book. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hear what Eric has to say. Meantime... A great discussion on Fox News Sunday this weekend, Britt Hume filling in. And this discussion was about entitlements. And I, and I, I want to go over this before we talk to Eric, because there's, there's a lot here. I'm going to start and stop this. But it starts off with Bob Woodward, who is taking the, the Democrat tack on this, which is, you know, um, every, single time, every, every single dollar that the federal government says it needs to spend if you talk about not giving government everything it wants they call it a cut and bob woodward is one of these guys who's a who has basically bought this hook line and sinker i i think it's kind of a fantasy based debate uh on all sides here and i don't see how you put it together i mean people talk abstractly about medicaid that is the health insurance program for the poor yes it's supposed to be for the poor, Mr. Woodward, but it's not. Obama expanded it up to a whole bunch of people who aren't poor, uh, able-bodied people who don't need it. It was set up, for, the entitlement was set up for the poor, for uh, uh, children, and for pregnant women. And look at how it's ballooned. Look at how it's expanded. You know, a similar program that was started by the federal government was supposed to be limited to a certain segment of our population was the income tax. It was passed with a promise that they were only going to soak the rich. And where are we today? The middle class is getting hammered with the income tax. And who gifted this to us? Progressives. Yes. So every single time you agree, and it's the, it's the Salcedo show axiom, it is best not to give government more power lest it be abused. Well, have a look at Medicaid. Look at how it's ballooned and who it's covering. It was supposed to cover the poor, the pregnant, and poor kids. That's it. Very small group. And look what it's mushroomed into. Barack Obama dumped a whole bunch of other people who were not supposed to be eligible for Medicaid, but Barack Obama said, let me be clear. I'm saying now you're eligible for Medicaid and you're eligible for Medicaid because because of Democrat policies, we can't get you employed. So we're going to make sure that somebody else pays for your medical care. Let me be clear. It's stupid. And this is the history of progressivism. It ends up in being programs that, that grow beyond their scope and they grow to where they're so expensive you can't afford them anymore and they bankrupt nations. For the people who can't afford health insurance, 
Uh, and you now have a system where there's t- uh, at least a proposal in the Senate of saying, hey, let's, uh, we'll take them off Medicaid and then they can buy insurance. But they don't have the money to do it. it there's an absurdity in this. Well, wait a minute. They do have the money because, again, the millions of the people that Obama put on these programs are, are able-bodied should be able to work and provide for their own health care and, and for themselves. But they can't. Why? Well, there's several reasons. Democrat policies have dried up opportunity and employment in this country. And also, these people would not have been eligible for Medicaid when Medicaid was founded. But all of a sudden, they're eligible. Why? Because Barack Obama and Democrats needed to keep people under medical care because of their failed policies. It just, as you can see, folks, it feeds on itself. Left-wing failure after left-wing failure. It's kind of incredible, both in Senator Durbin's comments and Bob's. If the Democrat Party wants to become the party of Medicaid, I don't think it's going to have a lot of success in the 21st century. Medicaid was a program designed in the middle of the last century where health outcomes between people on Medicaid and the completely uninsured are exactly the same. Actually, on some procedures, you're more likely to die if you're on Medicaid than if you're uninsured. What's happened was that Medicaid was originally a very targeted program for certain vulnerable populations, people like the disabled, that Barack Obama then poured millions of able-bodied poor people onto the program, the able-bodied. What will happen at the end of this process, if you compare where was this country eight years ago to where would this country be if this bill passed, is we'll be more compassionate, we'll be spending more money on vulnerable populations while not propping up a failing program from the middle of the last century. That's what a modern 21st century policy agenda looks like. If Bob and the Democrats want to be the party of Medicaid, let's uh, let's take it to no, the no, I, I, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfair. Uh, no, no, it is fair, Mr. Woodward. It, it is fair. That's exactly what you're advocating here. See, the Democrats are advocating this too, and the Democrats know. All I got to do is get this one government program, and I can grow it, and I can take more of the people's money and redistribute it so I can get myself elected. That's the game. I'm, I'm saying, um, look, there's a critique of Medicaid that can be made, and you made it. It wasn't a critique of Medicaid, sir. Medicaid was set up to help poor people, poor kids, women, and pregnant women in particular. It was a very targeted, very small percentage of our population. It was elected leaders, Democrats, who are to blame for expanding it and making it unsustainable and more expensive. But to fix it this way, when you've got you know, tens of millions of people on it and say, let's, oh, now you can buy health insurance, well, isn't this the age-old story with entitlement programs, which is to say that once you put an entitlement program in place, uh, people then turn to it and become dependent on it in a way they might not otherwise have done, and then you end up in the situation you're always in where you've got this exploding costs, uh, and people worried about losing it, and and the, and the result is you have this national debt through the roof, and you can never seem to take it away. Yeah, and that's exactly that's exactly the push, and that's exactly the hook, and the the, the Medicaid Medicare it is unfunded liabilities as far as the eye can see, folks. And Britt Hume is actually is absolutely right. We're talking more about this. With uh, our guest coming up after the break, folks, Eric Bowling from Fox News Channel. He will be on to talk about his new book, The Swamp. Stick with me. It's Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. 
Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. I mean, if you look at the way that healthcare has developed over the last 50 years in this country, it has taken a significant lurch to the left. And the reason it has is exactly what you just outlined, is that Democrats have an incremental way of getting to their ultimate goal, which is socialized, nationalized, single-payer system. So you create an entitlement program for the elderly, an entitlement program for the young, an entitlement program for the poor, and then ever-expand eligibility for all free. And that's what we've got here today. Well, it's not just with health care, folks. It's it's every entitlement the left wing passes in this country and they expand it. And the goal is to get you ever hooked, to get your children ever hooked. So it's all powerful state. Some might call it the swamp. Uh, guys like Eric Bowling, he's rapidly become a national success story at Fox News Channel, personality and co-host of the new show, The Fox News Specialist, as well as his own cash and in program. He's the author of a brand new book called The Swamp, Washington's murky pool of corruption, cronyism, and really strange creatures and how Trump can drain it. Mr. Bowling, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me. I was here about a year ago, I think. We were talking about waking up America, and that was that's what we did. They did. America woke up and said, let's try a new type of uh, leader in the country in, in Trump, and I think that was a great choice. Problem is, while he was on the campaign trail, we, we kept hearing, drain the swamp, drain the swamp. There's a visceral connection between people, us, real people, and a politician who's going to go on to become, or a man who's going to go on to become president, question is, will he be able to drain the swamp? So I start investigating the, the swamp, and I found it was like wildly more murky and deeper than even I expected, and I'm sure he expected. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, everything's got a price in D.C. now. That, that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, look, this, the, during the research for the book, I, I found out that the Capitol building was built on a literal swamp. I have pictures in there about from in early 1800s when they were building the Capitol on a swamp. They drained the literal swamp, but they forgot to drain the metaphorical swamp. And people just got there and found their way around more and more taxpayer money and more corruption, more self-dealing than, than anyone expected. I think Trump was surprised, and, and he should because the stories in the book are just outrageous. Well, I think it's not, not only it was Trump probably surprised, but as Trump gets in and he's revealing to all of us just how deep this swamp is and, as you put it, how murky it is, I think many Americans are surprised. It's the old, the old uh, adage about the sausage being made, and folks aren't really happy about the type of sausage. Look, I, I had structured this, this interview, uh, Eric, in, in talking about some, some hot topics of the day and then getting into some of the specifics of the book. But it strikes me, as you and I are sitting here talking, that a lot of the hot topics of the day are a result and, and relate directly back to the idea of your book, The Swamp. Uh, it's Nancy Pelosi, it's for example, she's, she's yeah. under fire for the Democrats. I mean, isn't she emblematic of what's wrong with uh, Washington, D.C., The Swamp? I'll give, you t- I'll give you even two more, more urgent examples of the swamp over the weekend bernie sanders we find out the guy who's who campaigned on being a man of the people and changing things in dc <laughs> for the people away from dc swamp becomes uh-huh. uh, we find out he's under a federal investigation he and his wife for corruption charges i was like bernie i'm a bernie bro now you're selling my book for me because that's exactly what happens <laughs> they have all the good intentions in the world allegedly they get there and the minute they show up in dc the swamp swallows them up and they're dealing and they're self-dealing and they're trying to figure out a way to stay there and they're trading their their votes and their access and their influence for money and 
campaign contributions. It's amazing what goes on. He's a and Bernie I'll bro. The other one, very quickly. <laughs> Go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Maxine Waters over the weekend says, guess what? No Trump, no one from outside of my district is allowed into my town hall. Meanwhile, she doesn't even live in her own district, yet she's there. But she says, no Trump. And I'm thinking back. This is the woman who was, who was cited by a, 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 a group who, who investigates corruption as one of the most corrupt politicians in D.C., based on her voting for the bank bailout while her husband was sitting on the board of a bank at the time. And she has the right, the audacity to say, no, if you don't live in my district, you can't come hear me speak. And she doesn't even live in her own district. These are two very prominent swamp creatures. Eric Bowling, our guest right now from Fox News, folks. He is a part of the Fox News specialist team, has his own show, Cashin' In, and the book, The Swamp, Washington's Murky Pool of Corruption, Cronyism, and Really Strange Creatures. Uh, here's another example, I think, of the swamp. Planned Parenthood gave Hillary millions of dollars during her run for the White House, and in the recent Georgia 6th election, gave 730000 to Pajama Boy Ossoff. So let, let me ask you this. If they have that kind of coin to throw around at political well, Democrats, to be honest with you, why are we giving them a half a billion dollars every single year? Who knows? And that's, what the, that's what the swamp does. That's what they do there. They, they protect their own... Uh, the votes uh, on, on, on things like, yeah, are we going to continue to fund Planned Parenthood? By the way, doesn't that bother you that Planned Parenthood continues to be funded in, in, in the GOP health care bill after one mm. year of moratorium? I mean, isn't, mm-hmm. isn't, that, isn't that a little swampy to you, too? I mean, because, by the way, Republicans are just as guilty as being swamp creatures as Democrats. I spent a couple hours with Jack Abramoff, a Republican who was – a very close confidant or involved in the Bush administration to the point where he was actually working with the Department of the Interior under Bush. And guess who he was representing on the other side? He was representing Native American Indian groups who are looking for casinos to put on on federal land. Wow, <laughs> is that swampy to the point where he gets caught. He goes to jail for corrupt, under corruption charges, comes out, and he tells me things are no better now than they were when he went to jail 15 years ago. The name of the book is The Swamp, Washington's Murky Pool of Corruption, Cronyism, and Really Strange Creatures. Eric Bowling, of course, uh, the TV personality extraordinaire over at Fox News Channel is our guest right now. And you mentioned talking to to Abramoff. So after your research you did for the book, uh, everybody always says, it's axiomatic, that you can't change Washington, D.C., i.e. the swamp. But you think that Trump can. How can he do. do it? I do. So, so I'm watching what he's doing. He's rolling back all these regulations. The economy is responding because of it. So you're looking at the stock market, sure, but also housing prices, consumer confidence, business leader confidence. These are all very, very important uh, leading indicators in the economy. and They're all turning up based on their optimism with Donald Trump's rolling back of regulation. Okay, so now he's built, he, he gets all this, this let's, let's call it currency. It's called political currency that he has built because of the economy. And if he, I think he mean he meant what he said when he said I'm going to get to D.C. and drain the swamp. He's got some ideas I think are good. I can add a few and I do in the book that I think would help. Like his idea of of limiting lobbyists in the White House is important. He's got to get to the point where you don't have any lobbyists working for the administration anymore. And in fact, you can't go to work for a lobbying firm if you've worked for the administration. So in the past, what's happened is. People come to D.C., they'll work in, in, a, in an administration, whether it's Obama or Bush or Clinton, whomever. They'll spend a year or two getting to know the ins and outs of who's important in which different areas. 
Then they'll go to work on K Street for a lobbying firm, making millions upon millions of dollars for themselves, and they'll peddle the influence, the, the relationships that they've developed over the last few years uh, to, to corporations. It's an insane, incestuous, insanely self-circular uh, group that we can never see in because they don't want us to know about it, of course. Yeah. It's very lucrative on all parts. So this, the congressman who makes the vote gets paid, the lobbyist who in, makes the introduction gets paid, and the corporation who has an interest in the congressman's vote gets paid in the form of some yeah. re- regulation that goes there. Oh, and, and the American people get screwed. They all get paid always, and the American people always. get screwed. Let me, one last thing, Eric, but I only got a minute left. I wanted you to comment if you could. Uh, Harris Harvard poll came out. 56% of the country wants Congress and the media to move on from the Russia, Russia investigation. 64% say the investigations are harming America. I think this is a mechanism of the FBI investigating for a year now and no evidence of collusion, no obstruction. Uh, it, it seem, I think the American people are starting to recognize this is a political exercise and not a legitimate exercise of government. What do you say? I, I would agree, and I would add one thing. Over the over the weekend, we also saw um, CNN come up, put put a story up that was completely false, and they had to retract it based on looking for that collude, that collusion tie between uh, Scar- uh, Scaramucci, the transition Trump Scaramucci, uh, Scaramucci, the Trump transition member, and mm-hmm. Russia, and there was none there, and they had to pull the story down. It's an event like that that sometimes will change the face, change the direction. I think that may have been the, the, hey, we better really rethink this aggressive nature towards something we have absolutely no proof of. One of our favorite guys over the Fox News Channel, uh, folks, Eric Bowling. The name of the book, pick it up, The Swamp, Washington's Murky Pool of Corruption, Cronyism, and Really Strange Creatures and How Trump Can Drain It. Uh, Mr. Bowling, always appreciate the visit and get back here soon, will you? I shall, and thanks a lot. I, out on Amazon today in bookstores tomorrow, and i got to tell you, I, a year ago I came on your show, and boy, everyone really was a, a, an amazing help. You, you're, you're, you have an awesome audience. Oh, God bless you, brother. Appreciate it. And uh, you do as well, because we, we talk to a lot of them here. Thanks a lot for coming on. 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. Uh, before we go to break here, folks, something I didn't have time to to get into with Mr. Bowling before he had to had to scoot. James Comey may have misled senators on May 3rd when he testified to the Senate Judiciary Committee that he had never been an anonymous source in news reports related to the Russia investigation. By that time, he had already leaked several private conversations he'd had with President Trump to his friend Benjamin Weitz, W-I-T-T-E-S, editor-in-chief of the blog Lawfare and former editorial writer to the Washington Post. Weitz wrote in a piece on May 18th, only nine days after Comey was fired, that the former FBI director had shared those conversations over the previous few months. He wrote, Comey never told me the details of the dinner meeting. I don't think I even knew that, that there had been a meeting over dinner until I learned it from the Times story. But he did tell me in general terms that early on that Trump had asked for loyalty and that Comey had promised him only honesty. He had told me that Trump was perceptibly uncomfortable with with his answer. Well, folks, if this is true, that Comey was talking out of school, should not James Comey be prosecuted the way he failed to prosecute Hillary Clinton for her obvious misdeeds? I leave that open to you. The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network.
don't miss Pat and Stu. UK like week should have freaking ended yesterday. <laughs> yes, <laughs> after the horrific. That was the most vile thing I've ever had in my mouth. It was not ever. good. It was we, not good. But at no point were we like, hey, we want to get some more food from the UK. Like, that was not something we suggested. <laughs> we got what? Uh, frankly, I'd rather eat, uh, I don't know, something delicious. See, I think but it's more like... we're not going to get something delicious. Pat and Stu. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Show. All right, folks, welcome back. I, I'm about to say something that I don't think, I don't think I've ever said, and I don't think I've ever felt sympathy for this individual. But I feel sympathy for Nancy Pelosi. Don't look so surprised in there. Look, well, I, well, maybe maybe you should look surprised because I nobody's more surprised than I am. Now, the long knives are coming out for the queen bee. And I mean, (laughs) I mean that in the literal sense, the actual figure of speech queen bee, not what some of you other people are thinking about Nancy Pelosi. Uh, The queen bee of the House of Representatives for the Democrats. Long knives are, are, you know, after another humiliating loss in Georgia's sixth after they spent, I heard some ungodly amount of money per voter that they had in that district. Something like $22,000 per voter. <laughs> That's how much money the Democrats and the Hollywood elitists sunk into that race. So now they're, they're calling for her job. And I'll play this Fox News or part of this Fox News story that talks about the growing calls for her to leave among Democrats. But I've got to say to you Dems, I think you're being a little unfair to Nancy Pelosi. Now, look, she did fail in one regard. Nancy Pelosi, who's supposed to be the strong woman, subjugated herself to Obama. She became Barack Obama's. I'll do whatever you. uh, I'll do whatever you say, Barack Obama. Oh, oh, you're the great Barack Obama. No independence whatsoever. She's supposed to be the strong, independent woman, and she was led by the nose, by the likes of President Obama. And he led the Democrat Party into massive electoral losses. So in that regard, I think there is a fair amount of, I don't know, uh, criticism that can be leveled at her. But to say that she's the reason why the Democrat Party is losing, I don't think that's true. I think... This is Barack Obama's party. Even, you know, resident Obama has been out there commenting on his successor because he wants to maintain that control, kind of like the way the Clintons wanted to. It's always before Barack Obama came along. It was it was the Clintons Democrat Party. So he's laying he's he's staking his claim. And Barack Obama, I think, is truly the reason why Democrats lost so many seats and I think it's it's not just a blanket indictment of, or it's not just an indictment of of Nancy Pelosi, but a blanket indictment of the Democrats. You you morons showed no independence from Barack Obama. His was the the largest lurch left that this country had ever seen. It was the it was the proverbial frog into the boiling water, and none of you could be found. None of you could show 
any backbone. Even you Democrats who say you're pro-Israel. You, you couldn't be found when Barack Obama was throwing the, the state of Israel under the bus. So anyway, I, I really think it's disingenuous of the Democrat Party to make Nancy Pelosi the scapegoat for all of these electoral losses. Uh, yeah, now I know you can't throw Barack Obama out on his ear, but you all had your chance to show your independence and you all caved. You sacrificed the best interests of your constituents just so you could stick your head up Barack Obama's rear end. And that that's, that's the legacy that's not only owned by Nancy Pelosi, because she did that. All of you Democrats own that. All of you elected Democrats own that. Maybe with the exception of Bernie Sanders. And he, hell, he's an independent. Bernie Sanders probably was the one who showed the most independence from Barack Obama and, and his only independence was that Barack Obama wasn't anti-American enough in his socialist advocacy. But at any rate, here come the long knives out for Nancy Pelosi. And Fox News Channel was uh, very uh, adept at letting these Democrats uh, air their grievances. And then Nancy Pelosi was very adept at dismissing all of their complaints. <laughs> Democrats are getting desperate for a win after going 0 for 2017 in contested special elections so far. So now there's talk among Democratic lawmakers about ditching the longtime Democratic leader, Nancy Pelosi. You think Nancy Pelosi is more toxic than Donald Trump? You know what? The honest answer is, in some areas of the country, yes, she is. In certain areas, like in some of these special election districts, it doesn't benefit our candidates to be tied to her. Nancy Pelosi was a great speaker. She is a great leader. But her time has come and gone. Yes, she's a great fundraiser. But if the money that we are raising with her through her leadership is not helping us win elections, then we have to have this difficult conversation now. If we're going to regain the majority in 2018, uh, we have to have new leadership. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think the time to replace your quote-unquote leadership, such as it is, was about four years ago. But you Democrats were so drunk with power that you, you turned over your responsibilities under the Constitution. You signed them over to the unelected bureaucrats and that unconstitutional fourth branch of government you guys, you guys have empowered with your with your power, with your responsibilities, that fourth branch of the administrative state, and also defaulted to give Barack Obama a blank check. Anything the man wanted, you fell all over yourselves. Frankly, you fell all over your, your constituents. You tripped over your constituents to do everything in your power for Barack Obama, and you screwed your constituents in the process. I think it's a little disingenuous of these Democrats to come out and come after Nancy Pelosi. She was there a heck of a lot longer than Barack Obama was. And it was Barack Obama's eight years that decimated the Democrat Party. One could rationalize that maybe Nancy Pelosi paved the way for Barack Obama to get in there and completely screw not only America, but the Democrat Party. But that's, I think, offering up Nancy Pelosi as a sacrificial lamb 
is is I don't know. It's missing the mark, and I don't think it's it's quite fair. Not that a Democrat would listen to me, your liberty loving Latino. No, that's not going to happen. But uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi did fire fire back, and she was a little upset that uh, some of these Democrats were coming out. And uh, how did she put it? Having their fun on TV. 2018, uh, we have to have new leadership. But today, the 77-year-old Democratic leader was defiant, calling out critics in her ranks. When it comes to personal ambition, having fun on TV, have your fun. I love the arena. I thrive on competition. (laughs) Have your fun. In other words, you know, what do, you, what do you think this is? A democracy in the Democrat Party? The, the Democrat Party is progressive, socialist, communist by nature. They are of that ilk. So the, the fact that what members want out of their leadership makes a tinker's darn bit of difference to leadership is laughable. It's laughable. It's not who the Democrat Party is. There's nothing democratic about the Democrat Party. It's those who are well-connected, those who can fundraise, those who have, uh, shall we say, factual dossiers on other Democrat members. <laughs> oh, by the way, did you guys hear the story that that shady law firm that produced that Trump do- discredited Trump dossier has ties to the Democrat Party? It very well could be Nancy Pelosi doing all of this. These days, that support may be strongest among members of the other party. I had a member of Congress grab me tonight say, please tell me you're not going to get rid of Nancy Pelosi. Please tell me she's not going to retire because that's who I run against. (laughs) You know who said that? Cher. Remember, we were a little critical of Cher, too, for saying that uh, the reason why Nancy Pelosi had to go is because Republicans are running successfully against her, and that's why she has to go. And, and I think the only reason why somebody needs to go if they're ineffective. Can you say that Nancy Pelosi is ineffective? I don't think this is her responsibility. I think it's, I think it's Obama's responsibility. She may end up paying the price for it. But if Nancy Pelosi had any, any backbone whatsoever, she'd get up and say, look, this isn't my fault. This is all you Democrat members up there who blindly followed Barack Obama. Of course, now then, then she'd be under the gun to show where where, where did you show independence, Miss Pelosi, of Barack from Barack Obama? President Trump also weighed in on this. Mr. Trump saying that he hopes that Nancy Pelosi sticks around because she is incredibly good news for Republicans out there. So I. Uh, I know that many of you libs and you Democrats out there are going to think that I'm just coming onto the onto the radio today and I'm singing Nancy Pelosi's praises, which I'm really not. I mean, I I find her despicable and left wing and anti-American, a counterfeit Catholic. Uh, I find her, you know, reprehensible as a human being and as a politician. I'm just saying what's right is right. And I, I mean this in earnest. I don't believe she's responsible for the electoral losses of the Democrat Party. That belongs. President Obama. And to make her pay the price, it's not right. But of course, injustice is what Democrats are all about, right? So why would they change course now? 
888-900-3393-888-900-3393. Happy you've tuned in on the Monday, folks. We'll wrap up the show coming up next on The Blaze. The antidote to the Brian Williams Press. The Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Supreme Court was busy today, and the time we have left, I wanted to comment on a few of these things. First off, a landmark uh, religious case. A- apparently, the Supreme Court said That's, it's not proper for the state to to not allow f- uh, state funding or federal funds to go to uh, a certain school because it's a religious school, especially when they meet all the other criteria. The only thing that was different was that they were a religious school, and you can't exempt somebody for their religious beliefs. So the Supreme Court had a victory for religious liberty today. And Donald Trump, according to the Associated Press, enjoyed a a modest victory. The Supreme Court is allowing the Trump administration to go forward with its limited version of its temporary travel ban from six mostly Muslim countries. A victory for President Donald Trump and the biggest legal controversy of his young presidency. The justices will hear full arguments in October in that case that has stirred heated emotions across the nation. In the meantime, the court said Monday that Trump's ban on visitors from Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen can be enforced if those visitors lack a credible claim of a bona fide relationship with a person or entity in the United States. So there you go. So it's mostly a win. And the reason why this has to push forward, folks, is because as many have observed, you know, the Trump administration is well in 120 days into its initial administration and that any extreme vetting they would be able to put into place right now. But the reason why this needs to go forward is because we must affirm that the president has these powers. We cannot allow future agendized courts to thwart a sitting president of the United States because it is exclusively his purview to make these decisions. So uh, that's why it has to move forward. And let's just say, for argument's sake, Trump enforces the ban, you know, to the greatest extent possible now. And then in 120 days, he decides to uh, implement the extreme vetting. Well, um, in 120 days, that's that's going to be well shy of October, depending on when, when. So it may be a moot point, I guess. 90 and 120 days may make this October hearing of Trump's travel ban a moot point. Um, the, the only thing at stake at that point will be reaffirming that it is the president's sole purview to make these kinds of calls. Uh, last thing, this, this affects four states. Texas, the state in which I'm broadcasting it, is one of them. The state of California and their attorney general, Javier Becerra, who's a former congressman, he's a loudmouth leftist Latino. He has banned California spot, a paid for state travel to Texas and other states based on, well, their bathroom bills and bills like in the state of Texas that prohibit gay people from adopting kids if the agency that is helping place these children are faith-based. 
So it's an affirmation of, uh, of not forcing faith-based institutions to, uh, to have to violate their, their basic moral tenets uh, by having to place children that are in their care into, into homes that don't meet that religious criteria. And uh, it, it has been put to me that, well, if those agencies are going to operate, that's fine, but they ought not be taking state money if that's the way they're going to operate. And I can, I can see that, that point of view. And I think that maybe these religious institutions should separate themselves from government anyway. But on a broader note here, I, I am wondering how, how much these states, like Texas and others, are really missing California. It was, there was some bogus survey that came out and said, well, look at all these conventions that California had booked and they won't be there now. Well, that presupposes that they're not going to be booked by some other entity. So all those surveys are kind of, well, bogus. Hey, remember, everybody, society's worth is not measured by how much power is seized by its government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a grand day. Back tomorrow, Tuesday, on The Salcedo Show. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network.